Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Tonight, the Horns have made the ride from Austin up north to take on number eight TCU. Kyle Hicks leaps. He's in for the touchdown. Bouchelle off play action, takes a shot, looking for Humphrey. He's got it. Big play for the Horns down to the TCU 36 yard line. Again, play action for Bouchelle. Again, he's taking a shot. Enzo, jump ball. It looks like it's hauled in. Colin Johnson, 50-50 ball, and Johnson wins it. That's a Texas touchdown. Play action over the middle. Touchdown, David Sills. Little swing, almost intercepted, and now it is on the tip. Iowa State comes with the blitz. They don't get there. And Greer with plenty of time unloads. White touchdown. Kent. Touchdown. Greer with time. And the ball came loose and it's intercepted. And West Virginia continues to dominate the series. They won four straight against Iowa State. Second and nine, Delton fires, Prego, touchdown! Shimanek letting it fly, and QT has a big step on his defender. One play! Touchdown! Aren't any penalties, an incompletion, and Kansas State wins. Too far. Floats it. Too far! Kansas State wins on the road in Lubbock. Brewer back to pass, has a man wide open. That is Denzel Mims going down the right side and finally dragged out at the 19-yard line of Kansas. Just his second sack of the year for Deneen. Brewer puts it up, end zone, caught, and a touchdown for Baylor. Wow, there's the, there's the freshman. Gavin Holmes with his first touchdown of the year. Play pass designed beautifully. Plenty of time. Brewer logs one in zone. Oh. Touchdown, Baylor. It is. Matt Rule picks up his first win as the head coach of the Baylor Bears. First down, Rudolph. Goes sideline. Second and ten of the 23. Mayfield winds up down the field. Hollywood! Touchdown! Suitors! 77 yards! Rudolph looking. Rudolph in the end zone. Touchdown, Oklahoma State. Mayfield looks that way. Mayfield delivers and intercepted. Whitener. 
What a play by the Oklahoma State defense. Rudolph looking. Rudolph delivers. Incomplete. Overthrow. First down, Oklahoma. And even more. Sermon still on the move. Sermon to the corner. Touchdown, Sooners. 53 yards. Oklahoma, 62. Oklahoma State, 52. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey. Man, what a crazy weekend we had in the Big 12 and around the country. Had several upsets, have teams moving around. We got the playoff coming out here pretty soon. The new polls are being updated. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed your weekend if your team didn't win. Maybe better luck next weekend. Uh, Here pretty soon I will be joined by Cullen and Kendall as usual. Uh, First we want to take you to an interview we did here uh, with a guy that's local uh, in the Oklahoma market. Covers the Big 12 in general, but also the Oklahoma uh, market and teams here. Uh, His name is John Hoover. He's with 107.7 The Franchise. Most of you from around here know him. Uh, He's been in the newspaper and beat writer and on and on. He'll fill you in on a little bit of his history here pretty quickly uh he's kind of the first guy we've had that isn't tied to a team per se uh he's not an oklahoma writer he's not a oklahoma state writer so he kind of gives you you know kind of a universal all-around opinion on things uh we brought him on to talk to him about bedlam because obviously he's close to bedlam and that whole game but he also covers and talks about the big 12 every day on his radio show so you know you guys will uh, get a chance to listen to him talk a little bit about his opinions on the big 12 uh, hopefully you like him. We will try to bring him back on some more in the future. I'd like to get him back on a few more times before uh, the end of the year. So, uh, you know, let us know your thoughts and opinions on him as you do everything else. Uh, again, thanks for joining us. After the interview, we will roll into the rest of the games and how they happen this weekend. Uh, hopefully we'll see you guys pretty soon. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring on a special guest here in the show. Uh, we wanted to bring him on and talk to him about Bedlam. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to talk to him a little bit about the league, some things going around the league and everything. But uh, let's introduce you to John Hoover. Say hi, John. How's it going, fellas? Good, man. You doing okay on your end? Yeah, everything's good. Uh, I hope you can, hope you can hear me good. I'm on my iPhones, my iPhone uh, headphones, and uh, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. So uh, hopefully we'll knock this puppy out. Oh man, it, it sounds fantastic. We don't have any good. issues. So we got enough audio equipment here. We can call NASA. Surely we can <laughs> we can figure out something. Uh, probably more than we even need, to be honest, but we figure go big or go home. Um, so real quickly, can you tell everybody a little, I mean, like I said, obviously we grew up in Oklahoma, we knew who you are, but could you talk a little bit to the folks about who you are and your background and everything? Yeah, sure. Be glad to. Uh, I, I grew up in North Pole, Alaska. I'm not making that up, I promise. That was one of the hooks, by the way, when I, uh, when I met my future wife. Oh yeah, that had to be a big one. Yeah, she had, she was, she thought I was totally kidding her, but, uh, no, North Pole, Alaska. Um, moved to uh, Ada, Oklahoma when I was a freshman in high school, played football for the Cougs. Can I ask why? Uh, f- why? <laughs> like, how'd you uh, end up in Oklahoma we, from Alaska? We, yeah, we don't, have, we don't have nearly enough time for that story. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, played high school football for uh, Oklahoma's greatest high school football program before uh, Morris got going, obviously, <laughs> and before uh, Jenks got going, obviously. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, went to, went to college there at Ada at East Central, um, got out into the newspaper business, Ada – 
Old Mulgee, uh, Missouri, Tahlequah, and uh, eventually made my way to Tulsa. 24 years at the Tulsa World. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight years as the OU beat writer, two years as the Oklahoma State beat writer, and four years as the lead sports columnist. So uh, switched over to radio two years ago. And uh, really, well, actually, yeah, that's about right. About two years ago, coming up on two years. And uh, now, now write and uh, talk for the franchise and the franchise okay dot com as well as the sporting news awesome man. that uh radio gig really seems to suit you you seem like you really like that is that is that as good as it seems to be for you it's a blast i was thinking about that today um somebody asked me uh if they could if i could come and speak to their class at oklahoma state uh university to uh to kind of encourage more sports writers mm-hmm. to be versatile but because the, the the what he told me was that a lot of sports writers are saying Nah, I want to do TV. Nah, I want to do radio. I don't want to write. Well, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you, you know, they're, they're, you're going to need to write at some yeah, point. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Whether it's a website or, you know, somebody like Sporting News calls you because of your, you know, your history or your experience. So, uh, just yeah, you need to be uh, well-rounded, and so uh, that's going to be my message to those students at Oklahoma State University. That, good message. That's good because I mean, obviously, we aren't journalists. We just are fans who thought the league needed more coverage, and I don't know what made us think we were qualified to do that, but we decided <laughs> to go ahead and give it a shot because uh, we were tired of the Big Twelve getting ran through a reamer constantly. But uh, you know, so. I kind of agree. And now, I know personally as a fan listening to the radio, I like the guys, uh, like, for instance, your Barry Trammells who write and also, you know, uh, do the radio and all that stuff too. So I know I enjoy that. And it does. It does. It feels like you get – feels like you can appreciate those guys more. It feels like they kind of have more well-rounded knowledge on stuff when they can go back and forth in those mediums. So, yeah, I definitely think you that's a good thing for people to do. Mm-hmm, definitely. And uh, radio is, uh, if I may say so, not that uh, not that there's anything wrong with being a sports writer, but uh, it does seem like sports talk radio is uh, kind of the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. And I know this podcast stuff, I don't know how big it'll ever get, but I know a lot of people seem to enjoy that. I know we love it. That's our favorite part of the whole platform that we do is getting to do the podcast shows. So yeah, you know what? I get to do five three-hour podcasts every every week. So <laughs> that's, that's basically great. what I'm doing. Yeah, it's going out to yeah, and it's all pot. It's all on the on the website. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a blast, man. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, go over and talk about Bedlam first. And then, you know, obviously, I'm sure you, as many of the national columnists, have uh, kind of opinions and thoughts on maybe what it all means from what we saw this weekend. But before we get to that, I'd like to focus a little bit about on the game. Uh, you know, first of all, just your take on did, it, did things kind of go the way you thought? Because I, I'm getting a lot of stuff from people, which kind of surprises me that they're almost shocked or appalled or aghast at what happened. And, <laughs> you know, and I thought to myself, what did you people think was really going to happen? I mean, like I said, I know it was a little on the extreme side of things, but I mean, I could have, if you would have came to me for that game and said, hey, the score is going to be 52 to 48 and they're going to amass about a thousand yards, I would have bought that. It wouldn't have surprised me at all. So did this thing kind of go out the way you thought, or are you kind of in that, that column of, oh, my God, this thing went nuts? Yeah, uh, my the score that I picked was 38-35 OU. <clears throat> and if you'll recall, that was basically almost a halftime score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I kind of nailed the first half at least. But, uh, no, it was uh, – what I expected was, you know, against Texas Tech, Oklahoma showed uh, they got stops on nine of eight of their last nine possessions defensively. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought, well, they're going to carry that into Bedlam. Um, against uh, West Virginia out there on the road in Morgantown. Oklahoma State gets gets away from Morgantown with five turnovers. And I thought, well, they're going to carry that into Bedlam. These defenses 
are better than what we're thinking. They're better than we think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ESPN had Oklahoma State's defense as a you know efficiency wise. That's something like points per possession using some kind of mathematical algorithm that's way beyond me. <laughs> they said that uh, the Cowboys were 16th in the country, and I thought, yeah, these defenses are better than we thought. Little did I know that these offenses were probably better than we thought too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is oh, I'm sorry. This is the the first game that we in probably what a month that we've seen the Oklahoma State offense really really hitting all cylinders. What did you think of the uh, the play calling in this game? That's kind of been one of the problems with Oklahoma State offense and Bedlam in the last couple of years. Is just nobody thought that the offensive play calling really gave the Cowboys a chance. Yeah, you're right. Um, as well as uh, the the last two or three Texas games for Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy gotten had gotten very conservative, um, playing to, to not lose, actually playing twice down there in Austin, playing for the tie at the end of games. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're able to come out both times with victories. Um, so, you know, you can't fault him too much because he did win those Texas games. But at the same time, these those are games that the Cowboys should have won by a lot. And they ended up winning both of them in overtime, I think. Uh, the same phenomenon has existed with him bedlam wise he's been conservative he's he's kind of lucked into a cup uh, a victory you know the the 2014 game where stoops punted to tyree kill twice uh tyree kill sent it to overtime and then the cowboys won in overtime i didn't see any of that in this game i thought mike gundy was aggressive uh his play calling his, not his play calling mike yursich's play calling the game plan that he and mike yursich put together uh, and got with Mason Rudolph on. I thought it was aggressive, um, you know, confident, because at the end of the first half, Oklahoma State is, uh, you know, they, they've got 33 seconds left on the clock, and what do they do? They hand a ball to Justice Hill off tackle, and he, because the Sooners are playing that, that uh, drop eight prevent defense, and they saw, hey, this, is, this running play is going to work. We've got timeouts. We're going to go ahead and call a running play. Justice Hill takes it to the house. I mean, I like the way that Oklahoma State called – called uh, their offensive plays right up until the last drive. That's what and, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that was the part where it was just like, and I'm not sure those were play calls so much as they were Mason Rudolph trying to be a hero, trying to make something happen that was maybe a little outside of his, uh, uh, with James Washington on the sideline, especially a little outside of his comfort zone. Well, that that last play that they, you know, kind of drew up, uh, I, did that come out of a timeout? It seemed like it. It did. It did. Yes. Okay, so they had time to discuss that one. Uh, what was your thoughts on that as far as, you know, they really needed a first down more than anything because uh, they still had some time left. Were you good mm-hmm. with that? them taking that shot on that play? Well, I'll say this. It was not James Washington. It was Tyron Johnson. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, this is the way I assess that. Mason Rudolph drops back to pass. He sees Tyron Johnson has beaten his man and is open and decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it. I'm mm-hmm. going to hit him. Mm-hmm. But then it, it, at some time between that thought occurring and him actually cocking his arm and releasing the football, he's, he's made this realization. Oh, that's not James Washington. I need to throw it differently. I mm-hmm. need to throw it more accurately. I need to throw it on on spot. He's not gonna. It's he's not gonna go up and get a, a jump ball or high point it because it's not James Washington. It's it's Tyron Johnson, mm-hmm. and he threw it differently. And it was a terrible throw. He overthought it. He overthrew it, and it was an incomplete pass. It was too bad for Oklahoma State because that was an opportunity right there. Well, you know, going into this game, one thing we talked about is Oklahoma State will need to stop OU's run game to be successful in this game. And, and you know, once you've seen the results of the game, if, if you had told people around the country that basically Justice Hill would outrun the entire OU backfield, mm-hmm. you, you would you would have thought that uh, you know 
Oklahoma State one pulling away. Were, were you surprised by you know Justice Hill in the Oklahoma State run game and also kind of that second half how Oklahoma State's defense was able to kind of stiffen up and stop the run? Yeah, um, you know the the freshman running backs um, at Oklahoma State have been getting some some run, some important carries in the last few games, and you look for them in this uh, in this box score and you you cannot find them. Justice Hill carried all thirty handoffs. It was pretty impressive. Uh, thirty carries, two hundred twenty-eight yards, and some just some really, really, really good runs. I mean, I I thought going into the season that he might be the Big 12's best running back. He solidified that. He is special. He is fantastic, and I I I think that uh, most Big 12 observers would agree that he's probably the best back in the Big 12. Oklahoma, you know, they they popped the fifty-yarder there at the end, um, but but on the whole, their running game was was kind of, I mean, I think Rodney Anderson's pretty special. He's pretty uh, electric, explosive, um, all those adjectives. Well, they kind of shut him down a little bit. Oklahoma State's defense kind of shut down the running game, but at the same time, if you're Oklahoma, why would you run the football <laughs> exactly. when all, all you have to do is throw it 40 yards down the field well, and you get a touchdown? Did you, What was your thoughts on the Oklahoma offensive line? Because i gotta give, I got to hand it to, we shipped over to the Oklahoma side of things here. Um, I got to give it to Oklahoma State's defensive line. Uh, their front seven played a better game than I can remember them maybe playing in multiple seasons, uh, especially when it comes to the Oklahoma. But, you know, there were times where I look out also at Oklahoma's offensive line where there might have been a pile or guys down, but then you've got Oklahoma players standing up with their hands on their hips. You know, mm-hmm. it just didn't look like there was 100% either effort or maybe they weren't understanding, you know, because there was a lot of stunts and twists. Maybe that was causing yep. a lot of confusion. You know, what was your take overall on what was wrong with Oklahoma's offensive line outside of the fact of what Oklahoma State was doing? Yeah, well, first of all, not too much was wrong with it. They got 785 yards and 50, <laughs> no, yeah, 62 that's points. But, but I know what you're saying, and I, I totally agree that uh, on paper, the Oklahoma offensive line versus the OSU front seven should be a mismatch. It should be on paper an absolute mismatch, but it wasn't. Uh, and I credit Glenn Spencer and his plan, his defensive plan for that. Um, Sooners uh, were looking for running lanes. They were trying to run. They they ran the ball forty times. You know they they weren't just uh, they weren't just chunking it downfield every play. I mean Baker Mayfield twenty four of thirty six. He got six hundred yards passing on thirty six throws, which is unbelievable. Um, so they're trying to run the football forty carries and they netted one hundred eighty seven yards. But but you're right for for a large percentage of the game except for a couple of long ones that guys popped uh for a large percentage of the game oklahoma state controlled the line of scrimmage no no most definitely um you know we got a chance to kind of see some more of the freshmen from oklahoma stand out you know with sermon and lamb and them uh you know real quickly your talk on uh, your thoughts on their progression this season throughout this game how well they did well, listen, where did Marquise Brown come from? Right? Mm, that too, yeah. Nine catches, 265 yards. I kept thinking I was seeing – my eyes are not that good. Uh, and, I, and I wear – I actually wear in my contacts, I wear one contact for far-off vision, regular vision, and one for close-up vision so I can work oh, on my computer. That's weird. And watch – yeah, it is weird. It feels weird. But I can watch – I can work on my computer and watch the game. Okay, so I've had to kind of adapt. And I kept thinking – well, that's not Marquise Brown. That's C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. That's not Marquise. That's not five. That's nine because the you know the shape of the numbers. Mm-hmm. No, man, it was Marquise Brown every time. Nine catches, two hundred sixty-five yards, and seventy-seven and eighty-four took it to the house. That was impressive. We I think we knew what to expect from Mark Andrews. He's probably the best tight end in the country. Um, C.D. Lamb three catches for fifty-one yards. He had two 
huge third down conversions in the fourth quarter and another third down conversion earlier in the game. And then Michael Jones, three catches for 53 yards. Yeah. Where's that been? Yeah, he's it was had interesting. A big one. The Sooners really established these are our four receivers, and these are the guys we're sticking with for the whole game. And then they bring Jordan Smallwood in for some running plays and blocking and things. But that was it. All yeah. these guys that we've been seeing all year, they've narrowed it down at this stage of the season. They've narrowed it down to three, uh, three or four guys. Well, and Bedette's been a player for him too, but it seems like he can't stay healthy. It seems like he makes a play early yeah. in a game, and then he keeps getting dinged up and knocked out. I'm not sure what happened to him this weekend, but he made a good play for him in that first quarter, and then he's gone again. Yeah, he uh, he caught one pass for five yards. He's a he's a really terrific player. I think the world of him. Um, but you're right. He's he's been unable to stay healthy this time. He ran that jet sweep kind of toss pass. Baker Mayfield gets a credit mm-hmm. for a touchdown pass, even though all he did was catch it and flip it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, and he he gets to the pylon and he's he leans forward and he gets inside the pylon. And it, and as fast as he is, he's running that fast up against that wall Mm -hmm. and he sees that wall coming and he basically if you watch the replay real close he basically threw himself to the ground to to avoid hitting that wall and when he did he landed on his right wrist well yeah not a good look for jeff bedette and you can tell too that probably comes with the experience of not ever playing in that that stadium him not understanding because i mean that that one i mean i I think oklahoma's is kind of ridiculous too with their brick wall how close it is but oklahoma state's is you know, pretty crazy how small that is there. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, you know, moving forward, let's talk about the, you know, I guess the ugly. Let's get your interpretation of it here because everybody's got their opinions. Um, you know, as far as the secondary, and there was there were busts. There were times people looked awful on both sides of it, obviously. Brown <laughs> and his big touchdown, that one, I think it was uh, uh, Ramon Richards. I think he burned on that one or one of them. No, it was Rodarius Williams. Okay, on that one. And then, uh, you know, you had uh, Motley get – just absolutely shook out of his pants on that one touchdown. <laughs> I mean, there there was definitely some bad ones there. Uh, but overall, you know, how bad – is it as bad as it seems in your opinion? Uh, or is maybe people are making it out since we have a recency bias and we tend to think only about one game and all that. Uh, and then how much credit do you give to the fact that these are probably the two best quarterbacks in the country and statistically probably the most efficient and two best offenses in the country? Oh, you said it all right there. I talked to Lincoln Riley today at his press conference. And he said, uh, let's not forget one of the reasons that Big 12 defensive numbers are so big, uh, so obscene, is uh, is the offenses that you're facing. And he said, w- if you think about it, people put up big numbers in the offenses in, in the Big 12 conference because they know the other team's going to put up big numbers. Uh-huh. And so they've got to keep up. And so everybody goes into these games with aggressive play calls. Nobody goes into these games in big in the Big 12 conference with a with a play sheet that says, except for Bill Snyder, except for Kansas State. There was a play sheet that says we're going to run it, we're going to run it, we're going to work the right side of the line, this is our plan, we're going to get three yards of carry, and we're going to get first downs, and we're going to work the clock. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, other than K-State, is saying let's chuck this thing down the field and let's get chunks and chunks of yardage. And, uh, and, and I think that's reflective. Now, don't get me wrong, I think both defenses really, really stunk on Saturday. Um with the exception of a couple of one-on-one tackles, a couple of timely quarterback sacks, mm-hmm. and a couple of interceptions. Yep. Well, let me ask you this, John. You, you've been covering, well, specifically Bedlam for a long time and also college football in general for a long time. I, I was just watching the game, and I was just amazed about how much speed both offenses had compared to mm-hmm. like the defense. It just seems like they were both sides were able to pull away from a lot of the defensive backs. Can you recall a time when you've seen two offenses kind of come out and have – 
that many guys that could run like that, I, I, I you know, I, that's one thing that kind of blew my mind in this game. Yeah, I do actually. Um, having covered the uh, 2008 season, where uh, three Big 12 teams were ranked in the top five, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech were all ranked in the top five at some point that season, and neither one of them was a fluke. I mean, any one of those three teams could have went and played for the national championship, and it just because of BCS points like uh, point. Oh three six eight or something like that. It was Oklahoma instead of Texas. It was crazy. Yeah, the Sooners were loaded that year. Texas was unbelievably good that year. And then uh, you know Michael Crabtree and and Graham Harrell and Texas Tech was as good as they've ever been. So mm-hmm. I've seen it. And but but at the same time, remember that Oklahoma offense in two thousand eight set uh, every scoring record that there was in in major college football seven hundred sixteen mm-hmm. points or seven hundred fourteen points or something like that. Um, and then went on to play for the national championship. So they had the number one draft pick and Sam Bradford. They had a uh, you know, guy in DeMarco Murray. All he did was lead the NFL in rushing. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, yeah, that was a pretty special year. But uh, I, I think you're right. I think this year is, is uh, shaping up as well. When you look at the talent across the board, James Washington, Marcel Aitman could both be first-round draft picks, as well as Mason Rudolph. I, don't, I personally don't think Mason Rudolph has the arm strength. When he grades out, he's not going to be a first-rounder, but he could. Uh, and then right now, Pro Football Focus has Baker Mayfield as the number one draft eligible quarterback. And wow. he's, and let's just be honest, he's making superstars out of transfer receivers, <laughs> JUCO receivers, mm-hmm. uh, walk on receivers, Very fullbacks, much. and tight ends. He's making superstars out of all those guys. Yep. And, and the thing, too, you know, it, I kind of wonder, too, I think a little bit of this could be the fact that he's coming out at a good time because, you know, five, ten years ago, I, people aren't going to give a guy like that height the, the time of day. I don't care mm-hmm. how good he is. If they did, you know, he's probably going to fall around the seventh round. Uh, you know, they just did not give short quarterbacks a chance outside of Drew Brees. And then Russell Williams, uh, Wilson, you know, not too many years ago and on and on and on. So, uh, you know, I think a little bit it could be the nature of the time. You know, the NFL feels like it's shifting a little bit in some things, some philosophies with the offense and things like that. So, uh, you know, maybe that's something that could help him. Uh, you know, I don't. I would love to keep you for an hour. Hopefully we can get you on future <laughs> future interviews because um, I would love to do talk to you some more, a few more times before the season wraps up if you've got time. But, um, you know, let's go ahead. I want to go ahead and get a few thoughts. Oh, you got one more you want to ask I do have one more question. In the first quarter, was it on the second OU series, your thoughts, was it a fumble or or an incomplete pass? Oh, you always get some nancy-pansy question. (laughs) 100% fumble. He he caught the ball. He bobbled it. He pinned it between his hands. He shifted it to his right and then in his natural running motion, pumped it back to his left and tried to tuck it. And as he tucking it, it slipped out from under his arm. That See, was a fumble. Well, I could not believe Oklahoma State got screwed like since that. Since we're going, and I, you guys know me. If, if you guys know me at all, you know I'm neither an Oklahoma State fan or or supporter or homer or anything, nor an Oklahoma homer. But that was a bad call. My my thoughts when I was watching in real time. I, I agree with you. The one thing that I would say is, at best, it was fifty fifty, and I, I just couldn't believe that the officials overruled the call on the field. That that was what shocked me. Yeah, there's no way that, that that, you know, there was enough evidence in that replay to say, well, that was definitely not a fumble. There's no way. Yeah. Well, your thoughts on that interception and that um, 
since we're going to go there, uh, with the uh, targeting call, where they basically fell together helmet to helmet, mm-hmm. and they called targeting and the pick. I mean, I know they have that stupid rule that, honestly, I'd never heard of till Saturday about egregious, you know, missed call or whatever. But just your thoughts. You really feel like that was that was legitimate targeting in that situation and whether or not that pick should have been taken away. Yeah, it should have been taken away. And you're talking about, like, uh, 0.7 seconds between the, the – the tip mm-hmm. not even that probably like 0.5 seconds mm, it was between the, the tip off the face mask and the uh and the interception the change of possession without that uh without that targeting call it's an easy call it's an interception it's no problem um the, listen targeting now is targeting what didn't we we it, it wasn't even it wasn't mean or aggressive or intentional or anything it was just he closed his eyes and lowered his head a couple inches and the next thing you know he makes contact with the other guy's head Uh and it's helmet to helmet and it's targeting every time and that's the way it is now that's just the way football has evolved uh players and coaches have to continue to evolve i think they're trying to legislate out so many of those helmet to helmet contacts that um that this this is what we're seeing now is like oops he didn't mean to but he did it anyway so there's 15 do you feel like this go ahead sorry the the change of possession it absolutely was the right call, um, you know I saw Skip Bayless sa- said something about the the interception had begun to happen. What? No, it what is, no, you can't. <laughs> Ball you was can't in the pre- air, but it wasn't. Yeah, that that he's going to no. intercept it. You know, it's like a it's like a punt. It's like a post possession kick. It's like an offsides penalty on the defense, and and you know no, doesn't matter what happens after. It's like a ball is tipped at the line of scrimmage, and anybody has free reign to it. Once the the point in the play reaches uh, a certain point, and in this particular play it was it was targeting, then nothing else matters after that. It's a it's a mm-hmm. fifteen yard penalty, and it's an automatic first down. Uh, here, here's Skip Bayless just currently continues to prove he's a jackass. But anyway. <laughs> Here, here's what really with, with targeting, it's become almost like the NFL's definition of a catch. There, it's so hard to determine what yeah. goes in, what they have to decide each play that this is. Well, possibly that's, that's what I was gonna say. Do you feel like it needs to be more circumstantial? Does there need to be a more window or like a thing added to it that says, you know, if they can determine they feel like there wasn't real intent there or something like that? Um, no, I, I think it's, it's almost impossible for, you know, how many, how many officials are on the field now? Eight, mm-hmm. nine, um, eight in the big 12. I, yeah. I think it's impossible for those guys to, to, with the speed that this game moves now, it's impossible for them to try to legislate someone's intent. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can stand up and say, Hey, I didn't mean to do that. You know, it was, it was broke like that when I got here, you know, <laughs> uh, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really, really, really difficult to try to legislate someone's intent. Well, just to kind of wrap up this, the battle portion of this, <clears throat> this game was you know, just a wild game, it, 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 entertaining to watch and everything. As far as all the battle games that you've been to and, and and seen in the past years, where does this kind of rank among just just excitement and, and you know, chaos. Uh, chaos of all time <laughs> middle games? Yeah. Well, it was interesting as the game was unfolding. I said, uh, I said, I, I can't remember who I leaned over and le- I said, you know what this reminds me of is two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final score there was sixty one forty one. So that's a twenty point difference. This one was sixty two fifty two, but it felt so much like that because you had two quarterbacks who were playing at an extremely high level. You had a bunch of receivers running up and down the field. You had um, long touchdowns, uh, and you had every time Oklahoma State did something, Oklahoma answered mm-hmm. every time. 
So every time, and, and Gundy said that today, he said it at his press conference, are you bleeping me, was his reaction. <laughs> every time he said, we, we would get close and then we're down 10. We'd get close and then we're down 10. Mm-hmm. We'd get close and then we're down 10. Are you bleeping me? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, Mike, <laughs> that's exactly what everybody in the stands and in the press box and everything else was probably on TV was thinking as well. Yeah, I can't think of a game I watched where there were more answers. I mean, just and again, I was it twenty nine or twenty ten, and that was also that way, uh, where you had you know the long run with the kid that played tight end at Oklahoma that's now at Dallas. Yeah, uh, yeah Hannah, you had that. I think it was oh, two thousand nine, yeah. two thousand ten in Stillwater, where you had that a crazy game like that that went back and forth as well. And yeah. I that's what this one kind of reminded me of was just big plays and just time and time again, just total street fight answering each other back and forth. I, I mean, it was great to watch. 2010 that was uh 47 41 <laughs> and it was it was man there uh was it, it landry jones hit those two long passes one mm-hmm. to cameron kenny and one to james Hanna mm-hmm. for uh long touchdowns it was just like dude how, how clutch can you be and landry i never jones and i never knew J- james Hanna could run that fast until that play either like i had no <laughs> idea the guy had yeah. any wheels till he hit that well uh <laughs> real quickly let's shift to i want to get a few thoughts if you don't mind if you have a moment yeah uh around your overall thoughts of the big 12 uh, you know, uh, first of all, just your thoughts on what Iowa State's doing here. And I know they kind of stumbled a little bit against West Virginia, but do you think mm-hmm. they, they've got what it takes to maybe try to finish this and push for a chance to get to to Texas? Yeah, um, you guys maybe can help me out with this. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. If Iowa State beats Oklahoma – I'm sorry, if Iowa State beats Oklahoma State, they finish up at Baylor and at K-State. So two games on the road. Mm-hmm. They've they've been notorious over the years for not being very good on the road, but mm-hmm. I do think the makeup of this team is different. If they beat Oklahoma State in this showdown that's coming up this week, and then they, they finish up winning both those last two games, they're in the Big 12 championship, am I right? Because they have the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. Well, yes. over TCU and as TCU. well. And so, TCU. Yeah. So you're they're right, in. so TCU-Oklahoma becomes an elimination game. Yes. The winner goes to the championship game, presuming they all win out. Mm-hmm. The loser is eliminated because Iowa State would have the tiebreaker over yes, both Yes, sir. Them. Yep, that's right. That's, so basically so, that yeah. determines it, yeah. Minus the national f- national coach of the year type of work there by uh, Matt Campbell and those guys Definitely. for sure. yeah. Well, I'm starting this campaign for Oklahoma State that this is uh, Revenge 2011. <laughs> oh, is that right? You know, this, is, this is Oklahoma <laughs> State. use that. Yeah. yeah, this is Oklahoma Let's... State's chance to actually go and ruin Iowa State's dream season for once. <laughs> hey, Oklahoma State had a lot better kicker that year oh, man, than they don't... do right now, mm-hmm. and he still he still put it over the uprights. So maybe by now Iowa State has has raised its uprights a little higher, so we can actually tell if the ball's in or out. <laughs> I, I, I literally hear from Iowa State fans every week of the season about that kick in 2011 oh yeah they send him gifts constantly on our on our twitter and stuff about that kick and play and stuff uh, so what is it was it in or was it out oh i i'll go to my grave hey, thinking it was good i'm an oklahoma fan and i still think it went over the upright i think it was in and i'm a sooners I, fan so if if we extend the uprights another 15 feet i honestly think it hits the upright mm-hmm but very, which way does well. it go after it hits is it two yeah. inches to the left or two inches to the right but over the top of the uprights considered good right yeah, that's that's what I don't know. That's that's such a gray area. It's like they uh, need to put lasers on the top of those things. Yeah, <laughs> then you or, can decide just, if the ball broke the laser or not, <laughs> or just don't have high school go posts. That too. Yeah, that too. They did seem like it was kind of a short one. Yes. Uh, well, you know, TCU. We kind of, you know, obviously they were picked as a lot of people's dark horse team. Uh, you know, it was no surprise, even though there's certain people that want to take credit, like they were the only ones that saw it. But uh, I'm not going to get into been, that with certain. people. Have you been listening to me on the franchise? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not saying months. you. No, I swear to God, I swear to God, that was not had nothing. To do, it had to do with people we talked to a lot. 
Uh, but uh, and other radio stations, we'll just leave it at that. Um, but uh, you know, they, you know, a lot of people want to take credit for that. But it was, I would say, in mass for majority, a lot of people's quote unquote dark horse to win the league. Um, so people kind of expected to have a solid year out of them. Just your thoughts on you know what Gary Patterson's been able to do after the year they had, you know, bringing things back. And uh, you know, it, our our philosophy's been if you put this game on Kenny Hill's shoulders again this weekend, much like Iowa State did, he's going to crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is that your opinion? Will he do? You think he'll crack under pressure? Do you think he can kind of put them over the top this weekend? I think he most certainly, if you put it on his shoulders, he most certainly will crack under pressure. Um, I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt all season long, and people have been saying, "Ah, oh, he's going to have a Kenny Hill game." And I've been saying, "Listen, all he has to do is not be terrible," mm-hmm. and that's been their formula: is, is he's been adequate and play with the, the running game. Yeah, mm-hmm. the running game has been very good. The offensive line has been surprisingly good. The defense has been as good as usual. When you put all those things together, I mean, they don't have a 4 by 100 team at receiver anymore like they did a couple years ago, but you put all those other factors together, and, and Kenny Hill doesn't have to be special. Mm-mm. And then and then you throw a, a, an Iowa State-type game at him that, like two weeks ago, and, and he just, yeah, I mean, son – you got to take care of the football, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we've often compared him to Trevor Knight. You know, he you play with the lead and you do a lot of things, and he can make good plays as far as athletic ability, and he can do some special things. You know, like we saw Trevor do against Alabama and stuff like that. But when it came down to it, and he was forced to make some plays, he was always going to make a play or two that was going to break your back. Yeah, and if he can rely on on Kyle Hicks and Darius Anderson and, and the run game. I think that's how they beat Oklahoma State. You know, mm-hmm. Anderson had a career game, obviously, but uh, if they can if they can run the football, control the clock, you know. And I, and I asked Lincoln Riley this today. I said, "Do you, if you're going up against a team that's really trying to slow it down and really milking the clock, you know, looking over, check with me, checking the sidelines, wait three, two, okay, snap it at one, and their their plan is obvious to keep you on the sideline and your dangerous offense on the sideline. Do you have to adjust your play calling or do you have to adjust your expectations as a play caller? And he, he was very clear. He said, going slow only works if you do it well. Yep. Just like going fast only works if you do it well. So uh, he said, what we've got to do, regardless of how fast they're going or how slow they're going, we've got to play well. Got so, to execute, yeah. Yeah, and, and if so if, if – if the way you minimize Oklahoma's offense is to slow your own offense down and run the football. And that's he, his point is hundred percent, right? You gotta, you gotta gain positive rushing. You can't go three and out, you know, taking 40 seconds on every play and go three and out. That's not going to help anything. You're going to get blown out that way. So mm-hmm. uh, I would look forward to uh, seeing if Oklahoma, if uh, TCU can do to the Oklahoma defense, what they did to the Oklahoma state defense. Yeah. Um, two quick things real quick and we'll let you get out of here I'd like to get to more but there's just no way and I don't want to keep you here for an hour so uh, for, first thing Texas your thoughts on the year they had I mean we had people putting them in you know Big 12 title games all the way down to the win two games uh, your ter- your take real quick on where Tom, Tom Herman has that program uh, is it about where you thought it would be because you know I've we've even seen some people ready to fire the guy so yeah, uh, I think they're they are about where I thought they would be um, when they were ranked 23rd to start the season. I wrote a column saying, "What the hell are you people looking at?" <laughs> exactly, because they've been terrible or borderline terrible for three years, mm-hmm. and uh, and now all of a sudden, because Tom Herman shows up, they're going to be 20th <laughs> in the country and mm-hmm. go to you know some some middling bowl somewhere. No, they're four and five right now for a reason. Their yep. the players are not very good. 
the coaching staff is doing what they can. I do think, I really do think that Herman has something happening. He's got something going on. But let me just say, the way he handled Sam, he and his staff, and the medical staff is is most culpable here. Uh The way they handled the Sam Ellinger situation where he got a clear concussion against Oklahoma, and then the following week, the same exact thing happened uh-huh. against Oklahoma State, and they kept rolling him out there. And then, and, and then at the last second, they're like, "Oh well, you know, he's showing some symptoms. He was showing <laughs> symptoms when he was laying on his back with X's over his eyes. That was the <laughs> symptoms he was showing, and you put him back in the game. I think that that is going to ultimately hurt. Possibly, him. it's going to hurt his image. It's going to hurt. There's going to be parents out there." who don't want to send their kids to Texas. And I'm not talking like no parents. Of uh-huh. course they want to send their kids to Texas, but I'm I'm just saying there's going to come there's going to be negative recruiting against them. Yep. He doesn't care about your kids. Look how he handled this situation. He he threw his quarterback to, out to the Wolves with a concussion. Uh, I think that's going to hurt him and he's going to have he's going to have some damage control to do because of that situation. Yeah, uh, switching over to Kansas State side. There's been a lot of talk lately about uh, Bill Snyder kind of being his his kind of farewell tour last year. You know, and and we here on the show, you know, we we, we coined him the Gray Wizard. I mean, like we we have a lot of respect mm-hmm. for the guy. And you know, you know, what are your thoughts about that? I mean, do you think it's about time for for a change to start happening, or do you think he just you know he should be allowed to stay there for you know until <laughs> he's ready, or you know, kind of, what what are your thoughts on that? Bill Snyder is Bill Snyder. Uh, he is he will stay and should be allowed to stay as long as he wants. The dude built the stadium. The dude name and family's name is on the stadium. <laughs> I, they're five and four right now, and they've got they finished with West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. I hope they win one of those, and I hope he gets to go to another bowl game and get another bowl, you know, pullover or something <laughs> that, that he'll he can wear go for thirty into years. Retirement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah, that's. I feel the same way. I, I mean, I love the guy, so I'm 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 rooting for that too. I just wasn't sure because I know I'm starting to hear a lot of rambling from fans and things. They're they're talking about a change, but you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for because it could turn yeah. out bad. So. Um, I'm sure that he's. Uh, I'm sure that he's. That there's a lot of fans up there who who expect more because, and the reason they expect more is because he's the one that set the standard. Um, they want their offense maybe to look like a 21st century offense. Uh, I think it's difficult for defenses, especially in the Big 12, to prepare for them, as we saw with Colin Klein. When you're stacked and you've got a quarterback like Colin Klein, you're going to do some damage in that offense in the Big 12. So uh, the guys that they've had lately are not Colin Klein, and then they've had injuries at quarterback this year with Jesse Ertz and Alex Delton having to replace him as a as a thirty eight percent passer. I mean, you know, let's temper our expectations for what we want Kansas State football to be. If Ertz stays healthy, I think they're probably going for I don't know. I think they've had a little bit of a down year. Um, I picked them third in the Big Twelve, and I was pretty confident that it would be them or TCU third. Uh, so I think if Ertz is healthy, I think that they're probably the, maybe the fourth best team in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then nobody's complaining, but so, so, you know, I, I hope Kansas state fans don't, like you said, be careful what you wish for, because you bring somebody else to try to win in Manhattan, Kansas. Have you ever been to Manhattan, Kansas and <laughs> yeah. ever tried to recruit like young men to come to Manhattan, Kansas? Good luck with that. Whoever's coming next. Well, one, one last thing for me here. Can you kind of talk on uh, what kind of job Coach Rule is do, doing down at Baylor? Yeah, boy, he's you talk about a re- reclamation project. He's having to do some yeoman's work. Um, uh, I think the statistic was uh, Kansas is the first was the first team in 
20 something years, 21 years or something like that to be a seven point underdog to an O and eight team or worse. And <laughs> who, who didn't see that Baylor was going to just go just Dominate put the wood game, to, yeah. to KU. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, he's, he, the, the first couple games, I think you saw him being a, a Penn state guy and a, and a, and a Rutgers, uh, uh, you know, an East coast guy, you, you saw him, I guess a temple guy is what I meant, not Rutgers. Uh, you saw, you saw him trying to fit his offense to Art Briles players. And at some point he realized this is not working. We need to let these guys be who they are. And you saw the Baylor offense, the, the lid kind of come off and you saw in the Oklahoma game, for instance, um, you saw guys running up and down the field, catching the football and, and looking like they're playing for Art Bryles again. I think he recognized that and said, you know what, let's just do what these guys do. And as we recruit, we'll recruit to, to our strengths, but these guys need to be who they are. Um, he's done a great job. I know that, listen, I know they're, they're winless before this weekend going to Kansas, uh, going into the Kansas game, but they're, they seem to have made real strides. They're going to, we said, uh, halfway through the season after the OU game, they're going to beat some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here they got Texas Tech this week. Watch out Iowa State next week. And then uh, I don't see them beating TCU. I don't think they have enough weapons to beat TCU. You know, they lost a whole recruiting class. Right. Um, and a, a friend of mine who lives in Waco, works at the paper down there, told me they were going to go 1-11 this year. His one was the Liberty game. And, of course, they mm-hmm. lost to Liberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the one, but it was at Kansas I think they have the possibility of beating uh, Texas Tech this week, and like I said, watch out Iowa State. Uh, real quickly, your last uh, last question, and we'll let you get out of here because you've been right. more than gracious to spend this much time with us. Um, Glad to do it. Your uh, final thoughts on who ends up this this uh, Dallas at the end of the year, or excuse me, Arlington, or or uh, where is it, Arlington for the fans that decide to gripe about the fact that that's not Dallas. <laughs> Sorry, that has nothing to do with you, but we had a long discussion this week. Uh, yeah. With people on Twitter, but yeah, your final two teams you think end up down there this year? The motto of the folks in Fort Worth say, "Life is too short to live in Dallas." Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I yeah. can imagine what the we, motto. We made a is. we made a mistake of calling it Dallas, and then uh, you know <laughs> people went nuts. Well, I think it honestly, I think it all hinges on Iowa State, Oklahoma State. If the Cowboys go to um, go to Ames this week and they're they're not feeling sorry for themselves and their heads not in the sand and they're all you know, beat up and James Washington, it would be good if he was healthy. Uh-huh. If Oklahoma state goes up there with the right, right mindset, I think OSU wins that game and Iowa state would probably be virtually eliminated. Uh-huh. I think it's going to be a rematch between Oklahoma and TCU. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what you got. Oklahoma and TCU. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, I would love to have you on in the future if possible. I'd like to bring you on a few more times throughout the, before the season ends if possible. But if you don't have the time, you, I mean, you can tell us. You're yeah. not going to hurt our feelings. <laughs> you guys just uh, give me a call. There's, uh, hit me up on Twitter or whatever. There's no problem whatsoever. Anything else you guys want to say to no, John? No, we really appreciate it. Okay. Yeah. So well, much. thank you so much for doing this, John. We very much appreciate it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Corey Kendall and Cullen, I appreciate the time, man. Mm-hmm. Thanks, so Thanks, appreciate man. It. See ya. All right, so thanks to John there for uh, coming on with us. That was the first time we've had him on again. That was John Hoover, uh, formerly with the Tulsa World and now with 107.7 The Franchise, which is a station here in Oklahoma. Uh, So just, you know, you guys' final thoughts on Bedlam and, you know, anything he said real quickly. Well, I mean, my thoughts were it it was a crazy game. It was entertaining to watch. Uh, And I – as Oklahoma State, if you're an Oklahoma State fan, you have to say you had your chances at the end of the game. There, there was times where you had mm-hmm. chances to make the plays, 
and uh, you know they just they just didn't make the ones at the end there to win the ball game. Uh, but they they played a good ball game. They did things that I didn't think they would be able to do as far as stopping OU's run. And I also didn't think that Oklahoma State would be able to run as well as they did against Oklahoma. That that to me was two big surprises. And then you know the rest of it was just a track meet. I mean I don't know what else to describe the the you know the other part of the game. Well, nobody's really saying this, and I hate to be mean about this, uh, but nobody's really talking about it. And you know, I, I guess you know when it comes down to big boy football, and, and you got to kind of put it somewhere. But uh, you know, you, we talk about how great a game these two quarterbacks played, and they did. They played magnificent. Baker made one really bad, stupid decision, and then another decision was just a great play by AJ Green, I believe it was. Yeah. Uh, reading, uh, I'm guessing probably spent a little t- extra time in film that week because people tried to say he stared him down, but if you go back and look at it, he looked right down the center of the field and then looked over at the last second, and then Green intercepted it. So I disagree with the fact they say he stared that down. Um, the second one, yeah, he screwed up on that one. Um, and the linebacker, I think it was Whitener, was that who it was? Made a, a, a great play on that ball. So the two picks there, Rudolph, the pick in the back of the end zone, horrible. Uh, you got to throw that out of the back of the end zone. Uh, for some reason, I can't think of what the other one is off the top of my head that he did. I know he had another one, but uh, I can't think of what the situation only, that the was. The other turnover you're thinking of is the fumble when he was trying to make – he just held the ball too long when he was oh, right in front yes. of the end zone. Uh, yeah, I think Oboe got a hold of that one or something. So, yeah, he, yeah. Oboe would cover man. it. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, he threw a pick late in the game, but that was basically hell mary time, and mm-hmm. I mean, most of the time that's either going to get picked or knocked down. So. so they both played really good games, and when you when you get down to it, as far as just like we talk about, people overblow, you know, people getting beaten this league defensively at times. Because there's so many more plays and so many more attempts, just a lot of averages. Eventually, you know, you're going to get some things. But when it comes down to how many throws and plays these guys made, eventually you're going to have a few that you messed up. That said. As great as these two played and as great a game it was, you have to put a little bit on Rudolph uh, at the end there not getting it done. Is that fair? That's fair. I yeah. mean, he missed the throw that could have ultimately probably won the game for him. Well, I mean, it's hard to say that Oklahoma doesn't go back down the field, but it's hard to say they do either. Well, and, and nothing is, you know, I like the way John Hoover talked about what his mindset, like, you know, kind of like what he thought mm-hmm. Rudolph was thinking. I, I didn't think fair. of it from that point of view, but you're kind of looking at it, you watch that ball, the way the way he threw it. He sold it. It, it, was, yeah. it wasn't like his normal throw mm-hmm. by any means. And it wasn't like he was getting someone pressured his face either. Almost like so, he aimed it. Like, you know, right. that one about Baker that I was, you, we were talking during the game. I don't think Colin was sharing with us because he was busy during the game, but we were talking during the game and I, I told you that one that he threw to Andrews was just, you could tell he wasn't very sure in himself. It was just a, like an aim, ugly, you know, got it. And, it was too open. Yeah, yeah. and kind of like yeah. that, it felt like Rudolph either wasn't sure of the throw, saw something last second, like he said, whether that was, oh, God, that's not Washington, which, you know, you can <laughs> think – uh, these guys do so much of this stuff, mo- muscle memory over the week, throughout the week. You know, it comes to a point to where they do this so often, they probably aren't thinking a lot. It's probably just catch the ball, throw the ball, you know, and then he realizes, oh, God, that's not the normal person I throw the ball to. Maybe there's some of that. I don't know. My only issue with that statement is Teron Johnson's not exactly a scrub, so I don't know that you would have a huge fear of that situation. Well, I think it's one of those things, too, though, like we're – Whenever you have a good rapport with with the receiver, you know where to throw a ball. Like you know how fast he is, so you mm-hmm. you you kind of know where you could throw that ball, and he's gonna go get it. And sometimes, you know, I think maybe when you have someone else out there running that same route, it's a little bit it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as the speed. You know, I mean, he he missed the throw. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But you know, I who who knows exactly what was going through his head. But it it didn't look like the ball came out of his hand like his normal passes mm-hmm. did. Yeah. I mean, I had you know, obviously both secondaries were bad, but. I think Oklahoma State's defense did it. I I was happy with their performance. I think they did enough in this game to at least have a shot in it, and I think that's more than some people thought they would do. So at some point, I think you got to put some of it on Rudolph not making the plays at the end. Well, the key to the game for me was really the fact that 
coming into the game, you knew Oklahoma State had to have some stops from their defense to have a chance to win this game. And they got a couple. Uh, they had like five stops mm-hmm. during the game. From those five stops, you know how many points they scored? Three. Three. Mm-hmm. They scored three Oklahoma's, points after stopping Oklahoma. They had two turnovers, and Oklahoma got three points as well. When, you, when you're playing a team like Oklahoma and you actually get stops, whether it's via turnover or three and out or whatever, mm-hmm. you have to score. And that, that was the difference. They never took advantage of that, and the only time that they really scored was when they were answering an Oklahoma mm-hmm. touchdown. So exactly. They were playing catch-up the whole game. For me, though, as an Oklahoma State fan, going into this game, what I really wanted to see was them to come out with all guns blazing. I feel they like they did, did that. Yeah. I feel like they did too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were there were times, maybe like the drive coming out of halftime, when yeah. I would have liked them to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. But overall, I mean, if you're looking at a whole game with as many plays are called, if you're only complaining about a handful of plays, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. My my take on on Rudolph, just my last thought on it, that was a legacy defining drive in the fourth quarter, and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it just didn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. Well, and I thought, you know, I thought again that drive in the third quarter it was mm-hmm. key because. I don't remember the score at the time. Was Oklahoma State up a little bit? I don't remember. Either. Are you he talking was up about a little bit through the interception? Uh, the very first drive of the third quarter. Oh, you uh, kicks the ball to Oklahoma tight. State. Uh, 30, yeah, okay. Um, you know, that one there is key because Oklahoma State then seizes that momentum where OU's yep. chasing them. Instead of, you know, you spent almost all the game, it felt like, with OSU chasing OU. Yep. If you get ahead there, even if it's by a field goal, at least to some degree you've got <laughs> OU chasing you. So I thought that was big, and they, I thought they screwed that up. And then I believe it was the drive after the first pick that I wasn't – you know, I know it wasn't as much of a drive, but there was a series of plays. It was either that. It was early in the first quarter at some point. Those two drives there I thought were really poor, and they didn't quite go after the GOAT like they should have. Yeah, well, exactly. The, the, the first, first drive was the pick. They got a field goal out of that. And then the, the next drive was the one where, you know, whatever you want to call it, the fumble, not a fumble. Oh, it was mm-hmm. definitely ruled but, but, a fumble. But mm-hmm. even, even though it wasn't, like, you you still got the ball in pretty good field position and mm-hmm. then didn't do anything with it. Yep. So it's, it's only 3 nothing, and you've had the ball twice yeah, basically on your side of the field. That's that, a good that's, point. you you got to capitalize there. And that's what really – and then when Oklahoma went down and scored and made it 7-3, you, you turned – that was a huge momentum change. Instead of being, say, 14 nothing. Now you don't you don't converting that and now seven three. That's, that's a, a big difference. That's a good point. I'd forgotten about that because the game was so long. We went almost four and a half hours. That beginning of the game, there was a chance right there for Oklahoma State to really get out to a lead there with the mistakes by Oklahoma, getting the ball twice there quickly. They had a shot to be up like fourteen to nothing yep. or seventeen to three or somewhere in that ballpark, and they did not take advantage of it. I tell you, watching the game coming out of halftime, they were talking to whoever interviewed Coach Gundy going into the Locker room before coming out on the field. What's your name? I can't think of her name. Yeah, well, he, he, she said, I was talking to Coach Gundy, and he said, oh, yeah, we got to work on being more balanced in the second half. And I know every OSU fan was like, oh, no. We're going <laughs> to see – we're about to see anymore. 35 rushing yeah. attempts in the second half. Mm-hmm. But to their credit, they didn't. They went right back to it. No, and, and I think some degree of that was the nature of the game. I don't want to take anything away from Yursich or Gundy and say that they weren't prepared. But I think to some degree Oklahoma forced them into that. I think they – you know how we see these Big 12 games every year. And that's why I won't react – I will not – I refuse to overreact to this like a lot of national media are with oh my God, Oklahoma's going to give up 60 you know, points to everybody now. That's what they basically are saying. There was a, a big discussion the other day on ESPN, or Sunday morning on ESPN. I always watch the following morning and then college football live because they cover it. And they, they, the narrative was between Feinbaum and all those people that, well, Oklahoma may not play good enough defense to get in the playoff. Like, that's even a, I mean, I'm sorry, but that you either qualified for it or you didn't. They're not going to sit there and do that. So, anyway, 
you know, I'm not going to overreact in that sense. And I feel like, you know, we see some of these every year. Last year, it was Oklahoma and Te- Texas Tech that got stupid like this. Uh, you know, Texas Tech and Arizona State, even to go outside of the league. And then here's the other factor, too. Um, you know, people want to talk. I hate using yards. To me, yards is not fair when you're talking about how diverse these offenses are among the country. When you're going league to league, Big 12, to the American Conference, to the MAC, to the SEC, to the Pac-12. There's so very, you know, many varied offenses and systems. I don't feel like it's fair to go off yards. But if you want to use yards, because see, people keep talking about how many yards were in this game and how bad the Big 12 defenses are. Well, here's a little fact for you. As of Sunday, the Pac-12 only gives up, as average on a league, 10 yards less a game than we do. 398 to 408, okay? It's not that crazy. And the fact is, you really need to go by points per possession. And again, I know this game was crazy. There were some numbers that were really ugly. But when you go as a whole, it comes down to the fact that these defenses do enough, get enough to get the job done in this league. But when they start playing against other teams that other teams outside the league, that's when I would watch because we seem to do okay in those games. Well, I mean, I think nothing you got to take consideration is who who these two offenses are. Yeah, I obviously. Mean, let's just ask this: If Georgia and Alabama are both ranked number one and two, right? Mm-hmm. You telling me that either one of those teams wouldn't take wouldn't take uh, either one of those quarterbacks to be on their team right now? Mm-hmm. They, they, oh, over what they have? Oh, definitely. Or they wouldn't yeah. they wouldn't take uh, some of the receivers that are out there out wide on their team right now as we speak. Speaking of that, you what know? you just said, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. The coach for South Carolina, the one that used to coach at Texas. Muschamp, uh, you know, he, he was quoted as to say, this is not something you would ever hear in the Big 12. He was quoted to say, well, this week somebody, and he was talking about them, somebody finally made this kid be a quarterback, uh, talking about Fromm for Georgia, which tells you that nobody's forced them to pass to win the game at all. It's been a lot of heavy runs. You know, he's done just enough, kind of uh, a micro scale of Kenny Hill, just do enough to get by. But him, you know, Kenny Hill, what Kenny Hill's done is would be – Huge offense in for them in that league. Uh, Georgia's got by with just you know ten throws a game, fifteen throws a game by Fromm that are pretty easy throws. So you know that right there tells you everything you need to know with Muschamp saying somebody finally forced this kid to play quarterback and he answered the bell. Uh, if they had to do that weekend and win it out, they could not match. I'm telling you. That's why again the last thing I'll say about it. Alabama, look at the games that the teams since they seem to be the measuring stick. The teams that have beat them, 13 Oklahoma, spread them out and beat them. And beat them with a defense that played pretty well that's built really similar to the one that's in Norman right now. Um, you know, uh, who was the – oh, uh, Auburn and Oklahoma. Um, let's see, there was one I was thinking of earlier too that was in Oklahoma that they beat recently. Uh, oh, Oak, um, Ole Miss, uh, TCU thumps Ole Miss, absolutely destroys them, a team that had played pretty solid defense and was spreading the ball out in SEC. You know, I can go on case after case after case where this league and those big-time matchups at the top, they showed up, and the defense has played well enough to get it's, the job done. It's basically one of two tells when it comes to that. Either A, the, the for example, Alabama is they, able, they to, control, is able to control the games, mm-hmm. clock. Okay, then on the ver- ver- upside of that is – if, like, say the Oklahoma team, if they can get out early on, like, a 14-0 lead, well, mm-hmm. Alabama's thrown completely out of their game plan for the rest yep. of the game. And they they've got to play, play in it's, space, it's and they've totally got to do things they don't comfortable doing, which, again, okay, and then also Kansas State A&M last year. And you go back and look at these bowl games. It's all about matchups. That's why people were freaking out about Oklahoma. And, and understand, right now Oklahoma's the best chance to get in the playoff of what people are saying. That's not my words. That's what people are saying. So if that's the case on the national media, if they get in, 
Look at the matchups. I will take my chances with any one of those teams. Clemson's the only one that has a great, a really good offense and plays really good defense. That would worry me a little bit. The rest of them, I'll take my chances with the Notre Dame. I'll take my chances with um, Penn State or if they were to get in or somebody like that. I mean, play at Wisconsin. Sign me up to play Wisconsin the first round of the playoff. I'll do everything I can to get that game. If we get beat, we get beat. But right now, I like my chances. You know, so I don't know. This my point is, people do not overreact to one game. It's one game. It's rare. You know, nobody is this bad all the time. <laughs> and nobody's going to face these two quarterbacks in a single game ever. You won't see that again the rest of this year, two that are this good. So, uh, all right. With that, any final thoughts before we move on to the next one? Okay, here. The first one we have on the docket is uh, Iowa State, West Virginia. Uh, you know, obviously, this is, the, this is the game that I, you know, I went on West Virginia's show that I go on every week and kind of warn people. I said, listen, this is the kind of game that could get Iowa State. Uh, it's a good spot for West Virginia because they're having to travel up to Morgantown, uh, you know, after a good win. And it could really, you know, the, the, first of all, there's that aspect, just alone, the travel up there, and, you know, it's a good spot. But West Virginia is one of those teams that plays offense well enough that Iowa State has to be careful because if they don't do – if they don't stick to their game plan and shut them down, then all of a sudden West Virginia gets ahead of them. And, again, like we just talked about with Alabama, similar type situation. What, Iowa State is not built to get into a shootout. Fair? Do I disagree I, with that? They are not built to get into the shootout with the Big 12 teams. They have to, just like TCU, in my opinion. TCU has the players, but they don't have the quarterback necessarily that, that's consistent enough to do it. So they need to stay ahead. They need to play with a lead. They need to at least be in the game at all times. If they're not, they're in trouble. West Virginia, although they didn't score again after, what, the second quarter? <laughs> they put up 10 in the first quarter, 10 in the second quarter. Didn't score again the rest of the game. But they play defense well enough. Because they do. West Virginia plays good defense with the lead. They, 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 their style works very, very well with the lead, which I know that's kind of duh. A lot of people do. But for whatever reason, West Virginia plays pretty well with the lead on defense. Uh, Iowa State couldn't get things rolling early. Finally, in the second quarter, they get a field goal, and they slowly tack on, but they just ran out of time. They couldn't catch up. They did manage to shut West Virginia down the rest of the game, but they just didn't have enough in the tank to do it. Did, did you feel like Iowa State should have gone for the touchdown instead of the field goal in the fourth quarter when they did it? Yeah, I, especially in that spot because, again, how as, as long as it's taking them to get where they're going, what's the odds they're going to get back there again and have a I shot at that? I, saw it. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. And, and again, if they do, well, it's a tie game, right? Well, I know that. 2020? So. And, and, and even if you turn over the ball there, they're on the four-yard line mm -hmm. i mean you know i mean like the, the, mm -hmm. to me i i that, that could have been like the huge momentum swing like big time the other side especially mm -hmm. with west virginia was struggling all all the second half on on offense so that could have been the, the thing that really swung things mm -hmm. so i mean if it had been me i would have went for it but i mean that's that's all it, but i will say they still had a chance there towards the end to win the game and they, they mm -hmm. still couldn't make the plays to win but they I don't know. I felt like they should have went for it. That was my opinion. If they get that instead of the field goal, it ends up 20-20. to 20. Uh, And then if it goes into overtime, who knows? You know, maybe you, you got all the momentum in your favor. Maybe you end up winning the thing. I don't know. Uh, you know, as far as what went down in this game, you know, Crawford had 102 rushing yards on 25 carries. So they did use him. Mm -hmm. You know, they did run the ball well. Iowa State did a really good job of shutting him down. You know, 100, I mean, obviously 102 yards nothing to sneeze at, but not a big day by, for him by any means. White is finally, in my opinion, starting to find his footing in this offense. Uh, you know, whether it was – I guess I'm trying to remember. Skyler told us he missed the summer or spring or something. I don't remember. Do you remember exactly what happened, Colin? I think it was due to injury. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. So he finally got it. He's finally getting his footing. I mean, four catches, 167 yards, and a touchdown. That's a good day at the office. Uh, on the, on the uh, uh, Greer side of things, 316, 202 touchdowns and one pick. So Greer, you know, he didn't throw himself out of this one necessarily. He didn't have a crazy day on the picks. Uh, Kempt 
had a solid day again. Another just solid day. 27 for 40, so well over 50%. I don't know what that is. That's got to be 60-something percent uh, into there, close to it. Uh, and then 250 yards, a touchdown, and one pick. So, again, nothing spectacular, nothing bad. Just a good solid day at the office. Um, Montgomery, 26 carries, 115 yards. They leaned on him again. He did well. Butler had 62 yards. So, uh, that was your offensive or your statistical leaders there. Everybody did pretty well. It's just that, again, West Virginia kind of established what they needed to do early and jumped on them early, and I, I thought it played out. Iowa State couldn't catch up. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key. Mm-hmm. you got to get on top of them. You've got to force Iowa State to play from behind. If you let them play their game in the, in the lead, they're going to do this to you. So, uh, you know, we'll talk in our next show in a couple of days about what Oklahoma State can do to try to combat that against Iowa State if they can repeat that pattern or if Iowa State can really kind of slow them down there. Uh, any thoughts before we move on to the next one? Okay. We're <laughs> we'll on to the next one. Baylor, Kansas. Um, this one was, you know, as we like to call it affectionately, our toilet bowl. This was our second one of the year. Uh, we didn't get to do the, the interview like I wanted to do. Things just did not line up. I apologize. But I very, very, very much want to have Sarah on. I love what she does and Hunter on because he hasn't got to come on. You know, obviously Kansas hasn't won a game since, I don't know what, just September the first week or whatever. So, 2008. <laughs> so um, you know, he hasn't come on. They haven't got to come on, and I really hate that for him. So, uh, and if nothing else, what we tend to do is when it becomes bowl season, those teams that didn't get to make it, we'll do our reviews, and we will spend plenty of time talking to them for any Kansas and Baylor fans that might still be listening to us. I don't think there's really any Kansas fans listening to us, but I know there's a few Baylor ones. So they're already basketball. Uh, yeah, so we'll uh, we'll talk to them and get their thoughts on it. Uh, I really think you guys now a lot of you guys seem to know who Sarah is in the Baylor fan base. So. Uh, so I think you know her, but those who don't, I think you'll really enjoy her. She's kind yep. of a breath of fresh air for us around here. So, uh, anyway, we'll talk to them when we can. Uh, looking at this game, I mean, honestly, guys, I think it played out like we all thought, right? Uh, right. I mean, well, did anybody think it would quite be the score? Um, well, I mean, I, I thought Baylor would win handily. I did, but, you know, I, I tell you the one thing that I was really impressed with, I mean, I know when you talk about Bedlam, Earlier, we talked about the two quarterbacks, how well they played. Well, Brewer played out of his mind. Yeah, Brewer played I mean, his butt 23 off. 23-29 mm-hmm. for 315 yards and three yep. touchdowns. I mean, that that if any other week, other than the crazy Bedlam 600-yards passing type games, mm-hmm. he would probably be the Big 12 offense player well, of the week. I mean, I, it was impressive. That said, I kind of wonder, and again, I know this is Kansas, so you can't get too much into this, but how do you play last week against Texas? Wasn't it Texas they played last week, Baylor? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How he played last week, I wonder what you know could have come out of the game. Maybe nothing. Maybe not a lot. But I think they could have. I think they would have had a little better showing anyway. Uh, Colin, your thoughts? I mean, you know Kansas pretty well. You've had to study him, so you know. Is this kind of what you thought would happen? I don't know that I thought maybe thirty points, but I thought you know they'd win comfortably. Yeah, I was going to say the the thing that kind of stuck out to me. If you follow our power rankings on a weekly basis, there were still people in our contributor group that had. Baylor rated behind Kansas. Yeah, they're just the sleep at the wheel. Then, it, yeah, at this just, point. that kind of shocked me. Um, Unless they're just going off record, which I don't know, I guess. <laughs> but looking at w- watching this game, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys watched it, but Carter Stanley did not look very good to me. See, I was wondering about that because he it didn't. The stats weren't great, but I didn't know if that was Baylor or if that was him. He he rushed a lot of throws, and, and let's be honest, he was under pressure a lot. Doesn't have a lot of experience but either. Anytime he got out of the pocket, he would throw the ball. And it wasn't even close. Like he uh-huh. could he couldn't get any arm strength behind it, and you know he obviously started getting frustrated towards the game. He he missed a pass. It could have been a first down on a drive to uh, Schra- uh, Schroeder or Schrader. Uh-huh. I forget his name, but uh, skips it to him. Just it was off all day, and then just you know watching Baylor 
like you know, like Kendall was saying, Brewer had a great game. Yeah, he the, he was lights out. The thing that really stuck out to me as I was watching this game, Terrence Williams scores a touchdown. And I mentioned that was his first touchdown of the season. Oh, going wow. into this season, I wouldn't have guessed yeah, that. Yeah, going into this season, if I told you that Terrence Williams wasn't going to score a rushing touchdown well, until Kansas game. Well, he, he I know when he came back. Weeks, first well, four weeks of the yeah, season. when he came back against Oklahoma, I think it was, mm-hmm. or maybe the week after, uh, to that point, they never did use him down inside the 20 or the 10. They never used him in the red zone. I don't know if that was to protect his shoulder. They didn't want him getting banged up down there or what early until it healed up. But um, I know, again, watching them again the following week, I can't remember who they played the week after Oklahoma, but there was a few games they played after that to where you they, again, did not use him down in tight situations where Terrence Williams you would think would be their guy for that right I mean he's their banger he's their he's a really impressive athlete uh definitely no slouch so um again I I was kind of surprised by that and the only thing I can think of is they didn't want to hurt his shoulder because he's kind of your guy there so that is part of why I probably didn't, he didn't have that many touchdowns yeah I'm trying to look at some of the the stats uh, here. Yeah, some... Am I crazy or did they bring Peyton Bender in at one point back into this game? Yeah. I thought I saw him come into this game when I was watching it. Was it. I tuned in when I could, but I didn't get to see that much of yeah, it. Yeah, it was late after – I mean, basically I had to make a change. So, yeah, Stanley was that bad. bad. Bender yeah. came in and all in all just a lost year for Kansas at this point. Yeah. Uh, who do they have going forward? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. I can look real quick. Well, while you're looking at that, I was going to say some stuff about Baylor. They're bringing – they're starting they to play got... some of their uh, freshmen that we had talked to uh, – Help me with our guy that we talked to, Kevin Barrera, mm-hmm. in the offseason about playing like Gavin Holmes. Uh, you know, Tristan Ebner had a huge game. Man, I'm getting my games mixed up now. But anyways, the freshmen are starting to make some big impressions here. And obviously, mm-hmm. Denzel Mims had another big game for Baylor. I don't I don't know if you saw, but on the uh, touchdown pass to Jordan Fuerbacher, mm-hmm. the pass from Brewer was just Perfect. I mean, it was spot on. Oh, just kind of uh-huh. lob it over the about. top yeah. of the safety. Mm-hmm. I, I was it was very, a beautiful pass. Yeah, I was very impress, impressed with that. Yeah. I think game. they got bright things going forward with him. Uh, I think he may have won this thing over Zach Smith when it's all said and done. Now, again, when we go into the fall or spring and summer, you know, who knows? Because we thought Zach Smith was going to come in and blow everybody away this year, and he didn't. So, But we kind we'll of saw see. going into the season that when he picked a new Solomon to be the quarterback, maybe he's looking for somebody with a little, a little more bit more mobile. mobility. Yeah. And Brewer brings that to the Definitely. Um, as far as Kansas's remaining schedule, they've got Texas who in Austin, who I think is going to annihilate this team. After last uh, year? Yeah, I think they're going to take a year's worth of frustrations and jokes and everything else out on this team. I would I would agree with that, other than the fact that I don't know if Texas's offense could score on a high school team <laughs> at this point. <laughs> That's no, fair. No, now, they've been playing Bouchelle, and I think Bouchelle can torch this. Hell, I think Ellinger could torch this the, team. The defense, the for Texas defense, may score – 21 points. Oh, yeah, they could have several touchdowns. Honestly, I think Texas ends up winning that game something like 45 to 10. I, I mean, I think that. it gets pretty bad. So, and I think Texas fans are going to enjoy every freaking second of it, <laughs> yes. especially people like Tyler on our staff who are so sick of listening. Oh, by the way, did you know? By the way, if you're uh, using that joke, you got about six days left to use. Did you know Kansas lost to Texas? So, because I got a feeling Texas is going to tear that team apart. Uh, then, I have to follow that up. Poor Kansas. Texas, then they go, uh, Oklahoma comes to them and Lawrence and then they go to Stillwater to round up the year so yeah um Kansas fans if we have any left listening I would go ahead and move on to basketball because it's going to get pretty ugly the next three weeks uh so anyway that's their remaining schedule uh good luck to them we'll see what happens with them going forward but it's not going to be pretty uh Khalil Herbert their leading rusher is 615 yards it's not I mean that's something to get a little excited about well, Sims has 679 don't, f- don't forget Khalil Herbert had 300 yards rushing against West Virginia I would say that yeah I would say that they could end up with a thousand yard they're going to end up with a thousand yard passer obviously god 
Uh, let's hope so. They had he had fourteen hundred yards, so uh, they're not going to end up with a two thousand yard passer. The the true but question. They could end up with a thousand yard rusher and receiver, depending on how well Oklahoma and Oklahoma State shut them down. The true question for Kansas is: Is it time to move on from Beatty? Which I I hate because I thought he I was doing a great job. Right, here's my question too. I have a bigger question: Are they going to lose the recruits? To the, are they going to lose that whole class? Because they've lost a couple, and I don't know that a couple that are left are going to hang on. That's a good question. And if they do, at what point do you start thinking, hmm, maybe Beatty's letting go? Because, I mean, you know, you hang on to those people because he's getting good players and stuff. But now I think I'm one of those people who thinks Beatty deserves another year or two. But, you know, it, they just may how, just not get patient well, enough. It shows how fickle the uh, football world well, is. And, again, they're trying to raise money. They've got to raise money, and you can't raise money for a coach and a program that isn't winning. It's hard. Yep. All well, right. Well, just, just one, one thing about that is if they bring someone else in, is he going to be able to do any better? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's always the question, yeah. yeah and, again, yeah, at, a, at a program, like we talked about that before with Oklahoma, uh, from a head coach and a coordinator standpoint, I'm one of those people at a school like Oklahoma, you don't do that. You you didn't become Oklahoma by worrying about things like that. You did what you needed to do. A school like Kansas, that's a little different situation. You know, you may need to sit there and weigh out that odds. Is it worth really doing this? Uh, all right, moving on. Kansas State, Texas Tech. Kansas State may have effectively ended Cliff Kingsbury's career. Thoughts on that? Uh, bold, bold call there. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I, I kind of do. Oh. I think the game ended about as bad as it could have with Kansas State coming back and mm-hmm. forcing overtime and then basically stealing one from Tech. Yeah, they, in they Lubbock desper- to make it worse. They desperately needed to win that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tech needed to kind of finish this thing out uh, and win at least most of their games remaining. Because uh, here's the thing, they're now four and five, and let me click on them because if it'll let me because it's kind of giving me a – yeah, it's okay. So Tech going forward has – Baylor, uh, which I don't think is a slam dunk at this point, right? I mean, is that no. fair to say? Uh, you got Baylor that's going to be coming off a win uh, pretty high, and that's, that's uh, I guess that's in Lubbock, okay? Uh, and then you got TCU also coming to Lubbock, which I'm going to go ahead and say that's a loss, unless TCU just goes in the tank. If Oklahoma knocks them off for some reason and somebody else knocks them off, maybe they go in the tank. But let's go ahead and say I don't think they're beating TCU. Then they got Texas left. So um, they're going to need to win two games out of these remaining three to get bowl eligible, and I don't know that they can do it. I really don't. They could beat Texas. Oh, they could. They could, they could beat Baylor, too, but yeah. I don't know that they will. They could beat TCU on the right situation, but I don't know that they will. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the Texas Texas Tech game will be very interesting to me to it, see how that wraps Here's up. the thing. If they don't beat Baylor, it's by far over. Yeah. If they, no, can, if they can If they can beat Baylor, there's a shot they can get eligible, and there's a shot this team will play well enough to maybe save Kingsbury. But I, I honestly, gun to my head right now, I think he's done. I think at the end of the well, year it's over. You're sitting one and five in conference. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's even worse. Stat, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we can keep scheduling cupcakes all day, but it doesn't help. You know. Well, and that's what we've talked about for two years. It, it's not necessarily – the the you know the non conference games it's a conference he he's struggled winning conference games mm-hmm. over I don't know how many I mean he I think he has a losing record uh, the vast you know, pretty much every other well, year one and here's the thing defensive numbers are up they're running the ball like they should be they're just not finishing games I mean playing this game right here is a plain and simple example Tech Kansas State comes back and puts them away at the end a game they should have finished Iowa State they didn't come back and do what they needed to do that was bad coaching they should have came back and done better than that but. Uh, they just didn't finish the games like they needed to. I, uh, you know, and again, their defense has let things go loosen up a little bit. They're not getting the turnovers like they were at the beginning of the year either. But still, all in all, all those numbers are going to show improved at the end of the year. Defensively, running the ball, they're doing what they need to do. They're just not finishing games. So, uh, all right. Uh, so that game, Kansas State wins. Kansas State's not going to get eligible either, though, guys. I got news for you. 
They ended up, uh, they're at, uh, well, they're 5-4 and four now. I didn't realize they're, I thought they were four wins. Okay, 5-4, they got a shot. Let's look at the remaining schedule for them. They have, um, they go to West Virginia. Or no, they get West Virginia and Lawrence. All right, Manhattan. Apologize, Kansas State fans. In Manhattan. Uh, then they go to Stillwater. Uh, and then they get Iowa State coming in there, which ought to be a really good slugfest. So, um, I don't know. Dude, man, that's tough. Do they win one of those guys? I, I, I think they do. I think there's a shot against Iowa State if Iowa State goes in the tank. If, if Oklahoma State can beat them, uh, and maybe somebody brings them back down to earth a little bit about, you know, hey, you know, it was fun, but you're back down to earth. Maybe. I don't know, man. It's hard for me to say. I don't think they beat West Virginia. I really don't. They'd have to have a game like that against Oklahoma where the whole team just, you know, they threw their best shot well, at Oklahoma. I'll say, I say they have a chance of simply this. What What is we, – we, we've dogged the style of defense, West Virginia, the three three five, right? Mm-hmm. What is the one thing they, they struggle with? I was about to point yeah, out running that, and physicality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was about yeah. to point mm-hmm. out that Kansas rushed for three hundred yards against West Virginia. Yeah. Rushing yeah. and physicality—that's so, true. I mean, yeah, they could I mean, definitely do that if, if they could. If they could, quote unquote, control the clock, keep the take score low, take away possessions. Mm-hmm. They, they got a shot. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I mean, West Virginia is the more talented team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where it's going to happen. And, you know, on Saturday. Yeah, and Iowa State just tried to do that, and it didn't work either. Right. So, oh, now it did work after they gotten ahead, but it didn't work to finish the game to win it. The the real big question for Kansas State going forward is who's going to play quarterback. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. That's definitely definitely. Yeah, we're, we're still hearing that Ertz is out for the season. Regardless I thought of what's what his name had a good saying. game this weekend for them, though. Not bad. Uh, let me go look at his I, numbers. I'm I would just put Pringle on the Wildcat and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Delton. Yeah, I thought Delton had a decent game. 13 for 20, 167 yards. I mean, for Kansas State quarterback, that's a solid game, you know. Yeah. Uh, you'd like to see another touchdown through the air maybe, but that's a solid game for well, Kansas State quarterback. That, that last drive he had, he, he, made, he made a few throws to, to move the chains. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did. And, and so – and then he made a couple of runs there down by the goal line that were very good runs. I mean, he he really that last drive was impressive by him. Mm-hmm. And then the last drive by Shimanick was off. I mean, well, in overtime, man, he threw that ball seventeen yards out of bounds. Mm-hmm. I, you would have had to have a rocket in your rear end to catch that ball. It was <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, I was a slinger. See, I'm kind of the impression. I want to see what Skylar Thompson can actually do in a full game situation. Oh, I would like, like to see that too. I would too. I think he's he's supposed to be the quarterback of the future. They're supposed to be high on him. They really like the kid, so we'll see. Now, we'll say six six rushing attempts for eight yards doesn't really scream Kansas State quarterback. Nope. <laughs> but no. but it was it's a limited sample size. Yeah, yeah. we'll see. Uh, all right, rolling on to the last one of the day, uh, Texas TCU. And, and this one was interesting because a lot of folks felt like Texas had a shot to win this game. That was me. And, uh, you know, there was – and, you know, I guess it depends on – it's kind of semantical what you deem shot. Uh, I, you know, I really thought they could win this game too. Uh, given the right set of circumstances. But, um, you know, TCU, and honestly, the score isn't really indicative, indicative of the game, in my opinion. 24-7 makes it look much more comfortable than it was. This game was, uh, you know, nut-cutting time pretty well throughout the game. Fair? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was 17-7 to through, what, two-thirds of the game probably? <coughs> so you're talking yes. a touchdown and a field goal. And there was times where Texas had the ball, and they were driving, and if they could have found a way to punch it in, boom, right there is a three-point game, guys. Uh, and it gets real interesting. So, you know, um, the, you know TCU, I'm, I'm not going to say they escaped. They won, uh, and they led for pretty much the entire game, it looks like. But uh, go ahead, Kendall. Well, I mean, they did exactly what they had to do to win. Get out ahead, control the clock, do things. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talked about Texas having an opportunity to win, it was they were going to have to do that. They were going to have to get out ahead, play good defense, make Kenny Hill beat you with the throw, and, you know, they, they weren't able to do that. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, that, that's, the, that's the whole game in a nutshell. They – Texas, I mean Texas, sorry TCU was able to go in there 
and run their game plan, and Texas was not. That's you know, and that's what makes this weekend's matchup real quickly. Fast forward into that, uh, so interesting between Oklahoma and TCU because TCU needs to play this style to beat in Oklahoma. I got, and I'll mm-hmm. be straight up with you: if they get into this shootout, high-scoring affair. Uh, similar like they did with Oklahoma State, except Oklahoma State couldn't answer the bell that morning until late in the game. But if they get in that style where it becomes scoring quickly and stuff, TCU's going to lose that fight, guys. They will lose that battle. Um, but if they get into this situation like this where they can sit on the ball, they can, like we talked about Kansas State, limit possessions, keep Oklahoma from touching the ball, keep Baker Mayfield on the sideline, which is something Gary Patterson's good at doing, um, they've got a shot. But, again, to me, to win, they have to play with the lead. You cannot force Kenny Hill to have to make up ground and come back. If Oklahoma jumps on them early, it could get real interesting. Uh, so, And that's when he makes mistakes. So that's something to watch going forward. So this is the kind of game, believe it or not, as good as their offense can be and as much firepower as they seem to have on a receiver and stuff like that, this is the kind of game they want to win and they want to play under Gary Patterson, period. Uh, so we'll see if they can do that against Oklahoma. But looking at this one, uh, you know, Texas only putting up seven points again, guys. Uh, you know, again, more issues with the offense. Uh, you know, what do we do going from here? Is it is this is it it's, is it going to get any better? Well, I mean, they just have no run game. I mean, no, they don't. It, it's it's hard. Thirty-one rushing yards by their leading rusher, which young I don't even know who the hell that is. <laughs> who the hell is that? So I mean, that, I didn't get to watch this game. I fell asleep. A running back? <laughs> I don't know who <laughs> well, that is. Young. Yeah, you know, I mean, that that's been their biggest problem this year. Is they you would think with like Chris Warren back there and different things, you you they'd have some form of run game, but they mm-hmm. they have had none all year, and it, it and no. it's absolutely ate them alive. It's mm-hmm. really the the offensive line issues that they've had. They have yeah. so many issues along that offensive line with injuries that. I've, I, you know, they had injuries also with the uh, the running backs, and you combine those, and it just it never has got clicked yeah, this year. I'll be honest. I mean, I, I watched this game through that little 30-minute highlight that the digital network does, and I don't know that I saw Young carry the ball the entire time. <laughs> I don't even know. That well, name doesn't ring were, a bell. They were, they were probably not focusing on the uh, Texas run That game. name doesn't ring a bell at all. But anyway, so um, – and I'm sure when I look it up the roster, I'll be like, oh, yeah, because when we did the previews, I'm sure he was listed. But when we talked about Texas running backs this year. We didn't year, talk about him. We didn't talk about Young no. at all. So, you know, you had the kid that got hurt. Uh, Porter. I forget his name. No, no, no. The one the one you were high on. Kirk Johnson. Uh, Johnson, yes. Uh, Johnson got hurt. You know, we have Porter who's been hurt. Uh, Warren who, you know, to me it looks like he can't – he's just situational. He's not a running back that can carry the load because he can't pass block. And I don't think he's a good first down back and stuff like that. He's no. more of a third down short yardage goal line back. So Neil Carter's hurt. So Neil Carter, yeah, exactly. Who I I've seen some flashes of Carter, and I think he could be pretty good, guys. Uh, if they get an offensive line, uh, I think he could be pretty good. So you know, you, you take some of these back and run it backs and run against uh, behind Oklahoma's line most of the year. They do a lot better, obviously. It depends yeah. on the line. They've got to get better up front. Yeah, well, they so, just need to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. You know, that too, it does help. They have had a lot of injuries. Man, if you look back the last two three years, they've had a lot of injuries at yeah. running back. Chris Warren two years ago, it was. Oh, was year. that last year? Foreman, last year. Yeah. Him yeah. and Foreman go down, and Porter, I believe, got dinged up a little bit. Well, I'm talking so, about along the offensive line. I oh, injuries, they're, yes, they're there down, too. They have had a lot of injuries, period, Well, they're uh, on offense. Third-string offensive linemen mm-hmm. spots. They're starting true freshmen. Yep. You lose your All-American at one point. He still hasn't yep. came back. Kirk Setter, whatever his name is, tackles yep. not quite getting the job done, in my well, opinion. Well, he's a true freshman. No, he he, uh, obviously, we got to be a little fair to him, but he's just he's getting eat up, man. The, the one thing I will say about Texas from this game, you, they held TCU to 177 yards rushing on 46 attempts. So. That's good. That, that is, is good, really good. Um, because te- TCU runs the ball. And now, again, that's that's enough yards to win a game. So, obviously, they, they did enough there. But Anderson only had 99. 
And he has been, you know, he's dangerous, guys. Anderson's dangerous. I, yeah. I think between the two of them, I think that can make TCU really dangerous going forward the rest of this year. And then the bowl season is you use Hicks as your changeup back. Ooh, that's scary. See, and that's what that's I think. scary. Anderson needs to be the lead back in yeah. the backfield. Uh, that's real scary. TCU becomes very lethal at that point. So, uh, you know, and we like TCU. I, don't, I think people get the impression we don't think – we think the team's really good. It's Kenny Hill. That's where our issues lie. Uh, I just I don't have faith in the guy, and I hate that. And if he hears this, I'm sorry, man. It's just I have no faith in your ability to get the job done. Period. Until you prove me otherwise, I will continue saying that. As far as TCU, the team goes, I love what they've got there. Good at receiver, you know. Rager, the freshman, helped step in and solidify that group and make them even deeper. Uh, they've you know got Omar there too. That'll eventually maybe come along. I don't know if he's going to come along this year, obviously, but he'll come along going forward. The future at quarterback for them is bright as long as uh, you know. I can't think of his name. Comes back from the knee injury he had in high school this year because that was a pretty gruesome injury, and I haven't heard any updates on that. But uh, also, I want to see if they get the kid from Florida uh, that was going to go there. Uh, I can't think of his name now. Um, the receiver that was going, oh. no, the receiver that was going to go to TCU. Uh, oh, Jamar Chase. Yes. Uh, well, I want to see. I got a feeling maybe they end up landing him, yeah, unless he's been that. swayed by other schools and during this downtime, uh, because Florida's losing their recruits and they're losing them fast. Well, that's the one that so, the NFL Network basically screwed, screwed over. TCU. I know TCU yeah. probably has him right now if they hadn't screwed that whole situation up. So, anyway, I'm, I'm interested to watch that. So, you know, don't get the wrong impression. It's not we are fans of TCU. We like TCU. Uh, especially as an Oklahoma fan, I've become fond of them because they've had some real shootouts with Oklahoma. They've had some some street fight, knockdown dragouts. I mean, 15, 14, 13, uh, 16, I think it was 16 a good game. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, 16 was a good game down there. Uh, you know, they end up, you know, late Baker Mayfield pulled that one out. So, yeah, um, you know, I like TCU. Don't get that impression wrong. We all do. It's just we don't think Kenny Hill can do what he needs to do. So uh, that's plain and simple all that is. Uh, any thoughts on this game or anything else before we get out of this week and move on to next week? No, I mean, eventually I would like Texas to get Colin Johnson more involved. I know there's there's obviously some other issues going on there other than just the on-the-field mm-hmm. stuff with him. Yeah, apparently yeah, apparently there's a little bit of off-the-field yeah, stuff going on there too. He's got to get that going because that guy, if if he ever truly – finds himself with his know. talent yeah, yeah. he's he's gonna be a monster he's one of those you can tell he's got sick god-given talent yes. ability and if he ever puts it all together with you know doing the right things going to class the weight room because he does need to put on some weight uh you know all that with the right quarterback obviously he's gonna need somebody to throw him the ball all that comes together man you're talking about an all-american at wide receiver i mean there's no doubt about it yeah so you're talking about, you know, the Quan Cosbys and, and the Lima Swedes and, the, you know, those guys that Texas has had in the past. That's what they're dealing with. I guess Chipley. I don't put Chipley in that class because he's not that kind of athlete, but he was a really good receiver for what he was. So, you know, you're talking about those guys there. Um, all right. Uh, ra- last thing I want to say real quickly, I want to get your thoughts on. Nationally, we had some upsets. Uh, Ohio State goes down to Iowa and not just goes down, gets their asses kicked. Uh, plain and simple. Explicit list checked. Yeah, the um, uh, Penn, Penn State gets beat by uh, Michigan, Michigan State. State on a field goal. Which I mean, that's how many years have we been seeing this with Michigan State? They ugly up a game, usually somewhat well, questionable weather against a Big Ten power. Ohio State with the field goal a couple years ago. The guy doing the chainsaw thing running through the field. I mean, Michigan State, Michigan against Michigan a couple years ago. I mean, they they find ways to screw up this league more than anybody else. Yeah, well, it, and this game was just a strange game anyway with the weather delay. It was like four-hour weather delay. Oh, yeah, delay. seven-hour I mean, game. Yeah. Seven-and-a-half-hour game. It's it's just the whole thing was wacky. I mean, it, it all played right into Michigan State's pants. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was the like weather, the, you the could ugly not have, it up. 
the you time. Could, yeah. Yes, exactly. The, the, in the their field, field, the field yep. was like chewed up because it was, you know. So I mean, mm-hmm. they, at home yeah. and their their comfortable uh, locker room versus the crappy one yes. they've got them in. They have food and stuff available yeah. to eat. They have, you know, it was mm-hmm. it was really. I mean, it, it it was like the perfect storm yep. for Michigan State. And it worked out in their favor. So they yeah. lose that one. Uh, so real quick, I want to get your thoughts, guys. Uh, you know, there is – and I wish that we had more time to do this, but we don't. The narrative, real bad, real quickly, and I know we all think it's BS, so we're not going to have to go into that. But, you know, teams like Oklahoma don't play well enough. And the reason I bring up Oklahoma because they're the highest ranked right now. That's not necessarily – I think they definitely get in. TCU is right there in the middle of it too. But uh, Oklahoma is the highest ranked at number five or six or whatever it is. Um, do they, in your opinion, with the, you know the teams that lost, didn't lose, and all that, did they do enough to get into the top four first and foremost this week, do you think? I don't think they'll be in the top four this week. Okay, because nobody, nobody lost above them. Notre Dame didn't lose. No, I don't think so. Uh, Alabama didn't lose. Clemson didn't lose. Uh, I'm forgetting somebody. Whoever else didn't lose. So uh, you guys, Georgia. would you guys have them in, their top, in your top four right now? I think five is fair. I think five is a good spot for him too. Yeah. I really do. Uh, okay. Um, as far as the Big Ten, did this, with the exception of and on Wisconsin, where do you stand on Wisconsin? Did this take the Big Ten out of it, or do you think Wisconsin's uh, – obviously they got to go undefeated. They can't lose. But Well, well we, were, we were talking actually while we were recording tonight that Barry Alvarez was saying that there's no way that an undefeated Power 5 team doesn't get in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Obviously. So I if they have, went out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's true because if you look, that may be the only the Big Big Ten championship might be the only, only team good team played. that they mm-hmm. played. The exactly, that's season. the only ranked team they've played. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, first off, they have to make it there. I'm not convinced they will. Well, I think they could make it to the Big Ten championship. They got to beat Michigan because they still have Michigan left on the schedule. I think, or they already played them. One or the other. Oh. Maybe they already played them. I can't remember, but yeah. I think they still have Michigan. But yes, they're probably going to play Ohio State in, in the Big Ten championship or Penn State, whoever it is. I think Big Ten's out. I do too. I don't think Wisconsin does it to be honest. They're in the same type of situation Iowa was a couple years ago. They haven't played anybody worth a the crap. They're gonna see one, maybe two good teams. You got Michigan, who honestly is overrated, uh, and then you've got you know them gonna play against Ohio State or whoever. And I think Ohio State or whoever beats them. Yeah. I think they beat them pretty fairly. So uh, now if they don't, and Wisconsin wins out, you got an interesting situation going on there because you've got honestly the Pac-12 is out at this point, but they could sneak back in if Washington comes in and plays well or something. I think Washington only has one loss. I've kind of forgotten right. about the Pac-12. So Washington's going to be in the top um, eight this week. They're going to start sneaking their way in. So we need them to lose. Now honestly, if it comes down to if you can take Notre Dame out of it and it comes down to uh the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12's out. Well, here so, here's another thing you have to worry about. Miami's still undefeated. Yeah, but I don't think they make it. I think Clemson knocks them off. They play good defense, but I think Clemson plays enough offense they knock them off. But, yes, right now they're they're definitely in the middle of it. Uh, and it seems like Miami has one more tough game uh, before Dame. they get. Is that what it is? This okay, week. so, yeah, they still got Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. So, so somebody's you know, going to go. Yeah, somebody's out, so, yeah. Of, out yeah. of there this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's tough. I I think Clemson probably finds a way in anyway. So, in, in all honesty, I'd almost rather see Miami knock off Notre Dame. Uh, is that game in South Bend or in no, Miami? It's in Miami. Ooh, well, let's watch that one. That'll be a primetime matchup right there. Oh, there's is the game, game day going there? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely keep your eyes on that. Uh, Big 12 still in the thick of this thing, guys, still in the middle of this thing. Uh, where does Oklahoma State fall to, in your opinion, roughly in the, as far as the rankings go? What were they? They were 12? Were they at that low? I they, they were, were 10 11. or 11. They were 11 or 12. Okay, so 12. I'd say 13 or 14. I don't. I mean, I don't know if they dropped that much. Just being I don't, they, all, I don't think they fall teams, in the top fifteen. All them teams above them. There's so many teams yeah, above them lost, lost too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think Good it's some kind of Good jockey point. back, roughly in the same spot. I mean, and they, they probably had lose. the best loss of the yeah. weekend, probably right. I, I would say. I would so. think so. I, mean, I can't think anybody by Iowa. Yeah. That's for sure. So, yeah, since nobody above Oklahoma lost, I'd say yeah, that's probably the best loss of the weekend. So, 
Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, anything else? Any final thoughts before we move on? No. Well, no I mean, the playoff this, or otherwise. This, anything? Well, I mean, as far as Big Twelve going into this is basically We're, we've entered uh, the the crazy time, it's, right? It's and time. the two big games are going to be Iowa State and Oklahoma State and TCU and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We're going to know who's going to quote unquote Arlington really quick here. I mean, mm-hmm. this these these two games are going to like change the whole momentum the direction the whole league's going in real quick. Yeah, if Oklahoma for some reason gets by TCU, they still have West Virginia at the end, but I don't think West Virginia is going to have enough to knock them off in Norman, but who knows, weird things have happened. Uh TCU knocks off Oklahoma. Do they have uh let me look. I didn't look to see who they they're, they're in the drive. I mean, them and Iowa State, I mean, if Iowa State wins and TCU wins, they're both they're okay. both in the driver's seat. Uh, TCU going has well, obviously, but I didn't know if there was another real tough game for them. Uh, they'll have Texas Tech after this, and then Baylor. So uh, I guess they have a buy in there somewhere. So if if, T, if TCU can basically, it comes down to this game for Oklahoma and TCU. Yeah, uh, whoever Oklahoma wins State, this game, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. This yeah, this game. This is either you're completely out 100 percent or you still got some of a shot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll probably. I mean, de- you'll definitely have two clear front runners. I don't know that you can go as far as to say we'll know who'll be there, but you'll definitely have two clear front runners, head and shoulders above everybody else after this weekend's well, over. And don't forget, let's say um, Iowa State beats Oklahoma State, and OU wins. If West Virginia wins out, they can be going to Dallas too, mm-hmm. aka Arlington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it definitely it, can get weird. Yeah, I mean, who, at this point. Who the hell knows? There's still a I few mean, teams it's, it's left wild. into it. People don't realize it, but there's still a few teams. I mean, West Virginia does have an open gate there that they could still sneak into. Hell, Oklahoma State could with enough chaos. I mean, it would who, take a lot. Knows, they, get there. they have to have OU lose. Oh, they're going to have a lot. They're going to have Iowa State get knocked off. Well, they got to knock off Iowa State this weekend. Yeah. they got to have TCU get knocked off, obviously, again. So, yeah, there's a lot there. But, um, you know, there's, there's a chance, a slight window for those who are hoping for the Bedlam rematch. But, honestly. Well, they have to have two losses for either OU or yeah. TCU. Honestly, it probably ends up being either Oklahoma-Iowa State or TCU-Iowa State or something along those lines. So, we'll see going forward. Uh, or Oklahoma-TCU, obviously. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, I just wanted to give a final shout-out to K-Bear. This is a Revenge Week for 2011. <laughs> just a reminder. <laughs> Parting shots. Go Pokes, he says, I believe. Yes. Uh, also, Grumpy Longhorn. Still thinking about you, buddy. Hopefully everything comes out good on your end. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let us know uh, if there's anything else we need to do or, or you know, how things are going in that process. And it's still a no on releasing Corey to the uh, media. Yes, the, I, still, I still have a duct tape on my proverbial <laughs> Twitter mouth, I guess. Uh, they will not let me get into to, to fights anymore. So, all right. Uh, anything else? I'm trying to think of anything else uh, we need. News it, and notes. Okay. All right. Uh, we will be back Wednesday or Thursday somewhere in that ballpark. Yep. Uh, depending on when you hear this, I got to tie everything together. And then uh, I still am trying to nail down the time on a couple, but we should have as many as four interviews for that show. Uh, we're going to talk to people affiliated with TCU, people affiliated with Oklahoma, people affiliated with Oklahoma State, I believe. Didn't we get somebody for that? We can. Oh, you're working on it? You were, you told me you were going to get him. Did you not get him? Don't say the t- name. Uh, uh, I don't know. I am not talking because I'm not releasing the names on these yet. I want people to, to listen to find out who they are. We will find out. Okay, so we got that one, and then Iowa State, I tried, but he hasn't answered me back on that, so we'll see. Hopefully, maybe you can talk to him. So, All right, so hopefully, uh, by the time you guys hear this, we will have recorded or getting to record a TCU, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and uh, Oklahoma State interview. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, if you guys got nothing else, until next time, everybody say bye. Thanks, guys. See ya. Bye, guys. Thank you.